1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us.
0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Hello,
1: and welcome to Mapping the College Edition, a podcast where we explore the landscape of the college theater world and try to demystify this daunting audition process. I'm your host, Charlie Murphy, director of MTCA, that's Musical Theatre College Auditions, and today we've got Stephen Strafford from Ohio University on the show, and I think you're really going to enjoy it. Stephen, who I got to see in person last week at Pittsburgh Unified's auditions, which was really such a success for the third year running, Just a huge thank you to Marcy and Bunny, as well as all of the people behind the scenes running PUA, to make it the success that it has been all of the moms in that wonderful parent group, the the parents who volunteered their time at the event itself, and then the younger people giving back. We had Marcy's son, Robbie, and Seth, and many others who I can't name, but who were working tirelessly to make that weekend happen. It is most definitely a labor of love. You can feel that that event is not slick or corporate at all. It is just a couple of moms who got together to make an amazing thing happen and to really help a lot of students create a strong safety net to their process in getting seen by almost 30 schools in one audition, and most importantly, to launch themselves into this competitive process with as much joy and ease as can be reasonably possible for this pressure-filled experience that it often is. So. Yay! Congrats to all who were there on their great success, including our many listeners, MTCA and Nan, who were sweet enough to come up to me and say they love the pod. Thank you for that. That really does mean the world to me when that happens. Um, Of course, I always love our MTCA students when they do that, but really, however you encounter this podcast, whether you choose to work with us or not, if it's helpful to you, I'm really thrilled. Um, Part of the reason we created the pod was to be a resource to those who couldn't afford services like MTCA and to try to make this process a bit clearer for all. So, it really is very rewarding for me when students tell me they find it helpful, or parents tell me they find it a lifesaver, or even I heard some faculty this weekend tell me how much they enjoy hearing the other schools and that they're big fans of the pod. Thank you all. That really does mean a lot. Um, And for those of you who didn't participate in PUA which of course is the vast vast majority of our listeners did not participate fear not that all of a sudden you've missed something that was just unique and completely unrecoverable from there is a long audition season you're going to have a lot of chances to audition for all of these schools and many more, Um, but I would say it's a great thing to start thinking about if you haven't yet, how am I going to launch my year. Right. What is my preseason? If this was kind of a preseason for a lot of uh, students, what is my regular season? What are my playoffs? That analogy doesn't work perfectly, but for the sports people I had to do it that way. But just thinking about what is my lineup of schools? How am I going to set myself up to do this audition process as well as I can? There's definitely no way to do this process, or no, I should say, there's no one way to do this process, but I do think some conscientiousness toward your psychology in this process is definitely smart. Right? How can I set myself up to launch as well as I possibly can so that it can have the most success for me in terms of how I wanna think about it? Um, we talked a lot about this on our last webinar when discussing early auditions, and I think it's really helpful for all to think about. And while we're talking non-MTCA listeners and we're talking webinars, If you're interested in the college process and curious to learn more on a granular level, including what MTCA could potentially do for you, we are having a workshop that is free and open to the public on November 8th. I'd love to have you all save the date for that. It'll be a free hour in the evening with me, some of our artistic coaches, and we're gonna go through the basics of this process from an overview perspective and help you plan what's in front of you. We call it Junior Workshop, and it's really geared toward juniors, though it's totally open and applicable to sophomores, freshmen. Even we have had some students in eighth grade who choose to participate in it. Totally great. If you're a senior, you're welcome to attend, though I would say it will be less geared to where you are in the process, unless you're considering a gap year. If you're thinking about doing this process next year, then it'll be just like you're a junior listening to it, and it will be helpful to you. But so, yes, note that down. November 8th, you're going to hear about it a lot of times in the next couple episodes until we get there. But that's November 8th at 8 p.m. online. More details to come. Okay, we're on to the interview, and I do have to do another Mia culpa for sound quality. I thought I had this under control. I thought I fixed the sound quality after Celia, and her mic was bad, and we've had a couple different times doing this. And I even thought in this interview, I told Steven, hey, we're gonna switch you out of your headphone, because he was in his headphone, which was kind of banging against uh, his shirt. I thought we had it fixed, but somehow the input and the output of it all didn't all work successfully and I did not catch it in time to technically switch our feed over. I'm sorry. Um, I do really feel, over the three years of doing this process, I've gotten better and better at podcast hosting. I'm very proud of that progress for myself. In that same time period, I feel like I've gotten basically no better at the technical side of things. Um, You can often hear a marked difference in the episode that Megan produces when she's there with me versus the ones that I run solo. I'm very sorry that your ears are gonna not hear the oral experience they could have possibly heard. But please do enjoy this interview with Stephen Strafford from Ohio University. Well, we are so excited to be joined by Stephen Strafford from Ohio University. Stephen has a B.A. from Drew University and an M.F.A. from Ohio University, this very one. Uh, he's another multi-hyphenate we love on the pod, an actor, playwright, director, dramaturg. Um, he's acted in international tours and national tours, including shows like Monty Python Spamalot, Cinderella, Peter Pan, Grease. He's been on film and things like Homecoming, The Thanksgiving Guest. Uh, he's also an author of the award-winning show, meth which has had productions in lots of different places. Um, he's previously taught at Columbia College of Chicago, University, Colby College, North Central College, and is now the head of musical theater at Ohio University, which is located in Athens, Ohio. They have class sizes of about 12 to 16 in musical theater and offer a BFA in performance acting and a BFA in musical theater. Stephen, how are you doing today? Welcome on the pod. Uh,
2: Thank you so much for having me. I am doing well, I think. I had a really lovely morning. I have a 22-month-old at home, and he was really extra adorable this morning, so it was really nice.
1: I have a two-year-old, and we, you can tell the difference because after 24 months, we stopped counting in months. So now I have a – it's a 26-month-old, I guess, technically. But, uh, right.
2: Two- we're excited. Yeah. We're excited to drop the month talk.
1: Oh, yeah, we're done. <laughs> we're done with months soon enough. Yeah. Um, well, I gave Red that quick bio of a couple things or whatever, but tell me a little bit about your journey, and you know, especially your journey uh, r- recently to Ohio – Anything else we need to know kind of about um, how you ended up where you ended up?
2: I came to Ohio uh, because I had the good fortune of having a solo show and then another play had multiple productions. And I, in addition to acting, really loved to write. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know what? I want to get an MFA. I would love to teach at the college level full time. I've been teaching here and there at different universities, but I couldn't get an MFA in acting because I've been an actor for so mm-hmm. long mm-hmm. so long that I honestly would have been insufferable. Mm-hmm. I just would have been the worst person to have an acting class because I'd be like, well, when I did it, I would have been terrible. Mm-hmm. So I got an MFA in playwriting. And um, while here at Ohio, i created a couple of musical theater classes. I taught a um, creating your own cabaret class, Mm -hmm. um, trying to give agency to the students, and also uh, created a comedy scene study class um, because I find that the sort of old vaudeville rules of comedy sometimes get lost in theater training. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then um, the head of musical theater here uh, stepped down and left for another position and I took over his classes full-time mm-hmm. and then applied for the job. I uh, received the job and now here I am. Here we are. All right, well, let's, so the cool
1: thing about, you know, you're new in this position, but of course you have some history with the university and you have some sense of, of sort of what the program has been. I'd love just to talk a little bit, at, you know, as you look at what will be your first incoming class of Ohio University students, um, and also what you've seen from the program, what do you think, um, you know, sort of differentiates an Ohio University musical theater student? What do you see as sort of commonality um, that goes, this is this is the kind of students that we've been admitting. And then if that's, you know, and we really are intending as we select something different, if that answer changes, let me
2: know that too. I think the thing that I fell in love with when I was looking for schools uh, about Ohio University theater is the sense of your individual weird is... Um, Supported and mm-hmm. encouraged to grow. I I think it might be our location, right? We're in the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains, mm-hmm. and so, and we're also this sort of big party school. Ohio University is this like huge party school, right? And so the theater students actually have that sort of environment where they can be in opposition to that world. Do you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like that sort of classic. Thing about a theater student looking around at this you know, huge fraternity, sorority, party school, and some of our students are in sororities, uh, but a lot of them have that, like, that's not for me,
1: right? Like, counterculture. Yes, like-
2: counterculture, exactly. Yeah. And, um, and so our students really are interested in pushing the envelope, not just in the straight theater world, which often has... That sort of vibe but in our musical theater students as well Mm -hmm. and i love that i just i i it reminded me of actually my ba program at drew university years and years and years and years ago and um i i think that's the thing about the student body that i love the most the thing that i am after always in my current students and my uh, students my prospective students i'm talking to is an intellectual curiosity. Mm -hmm. I want someone, I want the kind of actor who on closing night says, oh, I could have done this. Mm -hmm. Oh, Oh, I'm I'm almost there, I'm almost there. Yeah, I'm gonna get it, I'm gonna get it. Um, Because I I find that sort of endless questioning, Mm -hmm. that endless needling around one beat in a show, Mm -hmm. those are the actors in my professional career who I gravitate towards. They're the people who, you know, who come up to you on a two-show day in between at dinner and are like, can we just try this one thing? Mm-hmm. I just know we can nail this beat mm-hmm. if we just try this. Um, those are my actors.
1: I love it. That's so, so well said. Well, let's talk a little bit about the curriculum, and I'll, I'll offer you that same opportunity if there's anything that you're changing or, you know, if you're thinking, hey, I think we might add in this. But just talk me through what are the four years of MT as of now? Like, what am I getting as freshman? What am I getting as sophomore, et cetera, as I'm going through the program?
2: Yeah, so first-year MT students are uh, doing a lot of the same things as the first-year acting students. Uh, You actually spend a decent amount of time uh, with the acting students throughout. And one of the things I love about OU is that the MT students aren't siloed off. Uh, Our MT students are currently... this. Semester acting in Medea, Twelfth Night. And our MT students get cast very often in the plays because they're the sort of students who show up at auditions, right? Like they're prepared, they're ready, they have choices. And um, I love seeing them get to experience that because, as a multi hyphenate person, my theater career uh, lived in musicals and plays back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And being that sort of nimble, actor who also maybe can direct and also maybe actually has some stage management skills means you can work in the theater Mm -hmm. and build relationships. Uh, So first year, uh, you're doing, uh, the first time I have contact with the students is, uh, although I'm their advisor, so they see me all the time, but uh, second semester uh, in their first year, we begin acting through song. Mm -hmm. And I... I'm uh, holding to the curriculum that was actually created by my predecessor, Alan Patrick Kenny. He's very smart. He's a very smart person um, because he began uh, by working on uh, the Great American Songbook. Mm-hmm. And I work on simple things, action objective, uh, keep building a world around you, uh, a three-act structure, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, really, and also, I'm now learning the students, right? I'm learning, cause I don't teach from one method. I am mm-hmm. i don't believe in it. I think every single actor is different. And so I am willing to throw the whole kitchen sink at an actor. If they want to talk kinesthetically, if they want to speak in uh, only Meisner terms, if they want to talk about Uta Hagen stuff, luckily I've taken a lot of class from a lot of different mm-hmm. people and pulled the things that work for me as an actor. Um, I also, of course, am a playwright, and so I'm always talking about like, what's your job in this play? Mm-hmm. You know uh, that it's not just about this is my standout moment and I'm a star. We're actually telling a whole story. So that's the beginning. Uh, you're uh, you're also taking uh, dance. You're every semester at OU you are taking a voice lesson. Our voice faculty is lovely. They are not only good voice teachers, but I believe I say this without reservation. They're all people you'd want to hang out with. And the students feel comfortable in their studios. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the only environment where you can learn. I think if there's like fear and your shoulders are up and your neck is tightening because you want so desperately to impress your voice teacher, Mm -hmm. you're not going to learn, right? You're not going to learn healthily, that's for sure. Uh, Neither physically nor mentally, emotionally. So, uh,
1: And how does that progress forward? So if you're doing some of the more basic stuff, end of uh, freshman year, yeah. you're still taking dance, you're still taking voice lessons. How does that sort of acting um, progression move forward?
2: Right. So sophomore year, um, you will be with the head of performance um, and doing Meisner technique. Mm-hmm. Um, and that happens for the whole sophomore year, both semesters. Uh, with me, uh, we move on uh, to uh, sort of a a triple headed monster of an acting through song class where we work on golden age. Mm -hmm. Um, We work on sort of that post golden age, which is my favorite time. I love these shows, like Mm -hmm. the shows where like Fosse and Michael Bennett really came Mm -hmm. to life. Um, And then we work on uh, shows from that sort of mega musical time, right? 80 to 2000. Basically that's where I'm introducing style, Mm -hmm. right? How are we, Understanding that if I get a job being in Guys and Dolls, it is very different than if I'm in Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. And they're both golden age, right? They're very different jobs. Um, Then, uh, junior year, uh, you, and of course, you're taking uh, history of musical theater, uh, which I teach as a dramatic literature class because Mm -hmm. I find that dates and times and names and memorization and testing on that doesn't feel mm-hmm. like I'm actually building intellectually curious actors. Yeah. So I'm what I how I structure the class is I talk about the epoch shows, right? I'm talking mm-hmm. about Showboat and Oklahoma and all of those. And then I'm picking a different show to talk in conversation with. Yeah. So with Showboat, we looked at passing strange. What does it mean for a black man to tell mm-hmm. his own story? As opposed to white men telling the story of black people, right? Mm-hmm. How does that, how does that change the perspective? How does it change what we, as an audience, get out of it? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how the class is structured. Um, you, you had the chance in your sophomore year to take an actor musicianship class uh, for those uh, actor musicians who uh, have instrument. Uh, prowess.
1: Like, like helping them with shows they might be playing and acting in if they. Yeah. So that's
2: taught by our music director, Brent Frederick, Mm -hmm. who is truly so good with the students. I mean, he really elicits uh, such versatility out of them uh, vocally. Mm -hmm. And uh, he has worked on a bunch of these sort of actor muso shows. So he's really able to help them constantly you know, find the acting still while managing these multiple yeah. other things, right? Yeah. Um then junior year we begin doing duet and scene work. Uh we introduce uh Sondheim. Uh we introduce uh working sort of on that psycholo- psychologically complex character. Senior year, uh, you take uh, the business of uh, acting with Brent. Uh, He talks about audition cuts, how to work with an accompanist, uh, how to be in the room. Right, mm-hmm. headshots, resumes, all of that stuff that I wish someone had taught me when I was in college. Uh, and then uh, I teach a senior studio uh, where we talk about acting pop rock songs, mm-hmm. uh, that sort okay, of. We got two
1: thousand. We got to yeah. get pop rock in there. Yeah, somewhere. yeah,
2: and talking contemporary musical theater. And then what I try to do is um, start working on what I call the on fire underwater songs, which mm-hmm. is if I am, you know, not with COVID, but if I'm sick and I'm, call- you know, and I'm called in for this company and i really want to show my best up mm-hmm. what's what's your song that's your safety song mm-hmm. and how do you get it to be so well acted that they don't care that you're not screlting? Mm-hmm. you know an E.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I love it uh this is very well uh, gone through that curriculum there um we one thing we didn't hit with dance is like how does it work with like leveling with you do you do you have do all the same freshmen take the classes together do they take at different levels how does that work
2: uh, yeah so um depending on the class uh, but they are split into levels um so uh You can be an intro to jazz or you can be in jazz too. Um, The musical theater dance class is all together. And what I love about that, because that class is structured in sort of an audition style, Mm -hmm. right? Like learn this combination, do it. And they are, it happens across the hall for me. And our students are cheering for each other. You're just like really just like losing their minds around supporting each other. And I think that class is one of the best cohort building classes Uh because they really pull for each other. And that's the number one thing for me is I don't create a competitive environment Uh because I keep telling them I'm like competing for a, my approval, who cares? B for roles that are happening here is all well and good, but these are your people. Mm -hmm. You will leave school and this is your support network. Mm -hmm. So you better learn how to support each other's successes, (laughs) learn how to nurture each other when you're down, because if you're in the practice of that, you will be a far healthier and more successful actor in the world
1: so true. I mean, of, of course, in the small version of going my Ohio University classmates, is true. I mean, I also think we've talked about this a lot with the artists of like in the broader, like we as actors are it's not helpful to pull each other down. And like we as a cohort, you know, as we're all striking right now, you know, it's like we are all banded. We are brothers, It's you know, whether you're in the NBA and you're, you're all people who go, we all play together, or whether you're all actors or, you know, certainly that competitive culture is not a helpful thing. Um, One thing we we didn't chat about, you've mentioned the MTs taking classes with the actors. If I'm an actor, an acting major, but I'm interested in some of the musical theater class or musical theater offerings, how does that work
2: at Ohio? So uh, the class I created, the Creating Your Own Cabaret class, is a real chance for actors who sing to uh, be involved in performance. We have a a lot of performance opportunities here at OU uh, off of the main stage. We have a lab show series. And so... uh, Currently, uh, a professor is directing in the Lab Show series a production of Spitfire Grill. Mm-hmm. And that has some acting students in it, um, along with MT students. And uh, there are opportunities, and it's happened several times, for the acting students to get involved with the musical. Uh, generally speaking, uh, musical theater students are given preference for casting on mm-hmm. main stage. Pedagogically, it makes sense. Yep. Um, I am trying, as it's my first year so, uh, I'm not doing it this year, But I really, really want to create uh, a class um, on ensemble acting. Mm -hmm. That is a a thing that, uh, you know, so often I think, (laughs) I was watching auditions recently, and uh, people were doing ensemble cuts in this audition, uh, not here at OU, and Mm -hmm. it looked like a music test. Mm -hmm. You know, I was like, no, 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 no. Acting, like, you, you, you need to be acting. And it occurred to me that that would be great for my students. And I would love to keep the comedy scene study class I had. And that has an equal measure of uh, actors and MT students.
1: And what would an ensemble acting class look like? like? What would be the one of the focuses of, of trying to improve ensemble acting?
2: So my dream is that it would be team taught. Uh, and it would have our um, MT dance uh, teacher, Anthony, uh, Brent, and I... Um, working at different weeks with them uh-huh. sort of creating what it is to hold on to character mm. all the way through, you know, two butt ma's and a, a double pirouette, right? Mm. <laughs> it's like mm. sometimes you have to, um, be, especially as someone who is a mover, right? I, um, I mean, I've danced, I, I you know, I can move, but, uh, you know, I acting is my first thing. Yep. And so I, Want performers who light up yep. at, at even when they're getting the steps wrong. Yep. You know, it's so. How do you how do you hold on to that? And what are what are some tips and tricks? around building a narrative for yourself yep. that gets super detailed. And that's where my playwright brain goes on over well, overdrive, that, right?
1: That's what I was just gonna say. I was like, this is a playwright talking right now. Mm-hmm. But, but it's so true. I mean, but actors too, we watch it I and mean, you watch Broadway shows, you'll see some of the same people again and again and again casting these ensembles. One of our, our MTCA coaches, his, his partner, um, was in Jag a Little Pill with my partner and then was in Waitress with my baby was in Waitress. So I got to watch him basically never speak the entire time in any of these two shows. And he's a phenomenal actor. Like you just go, mm-hmm. he's supporting the story. So beautiful. I shouldn't say never speak. He had a couple lines, but really wh- where you're drawn to him is in the way it supports mm-hmm. what's going on on stage. In, sometimes, yes, it's in movement. Sometimes it's in song. But so often it's also just like the presence to, to be able to throw. What is this event right now? Who is Who should we be looking at and how do you support that? It, when you find people who are good at that, those people have jobs for 20 years. Yeah. director's like, I'm taking you. I'll keep you. I'll keep you. Like,
2: it's so funny that you bring up uh, this thing, do you know, uh, I'm going to say her name wrong, Alison Simmet? Uh-huh, uh-huh. yeah. I swear I have seen her in the ensemble, and, and she's always covering like a lead, right? And um, I've seen her in the ensemble of so many shows, and it's as if the show is her show. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> because I just want to know all of the things she's thinking. Yeah. Um, she's, she's a genius. Um, and I, it's one of those people, there are people who work in ensembles who I'm fans of, right? Yeah. And, oh. uh, you know if I run into them in New York it you know I really gush at them uh, yeah. because I, I know how hard it is I support this
1: class Stephen, this is a great idea yeah. um, okay let's talk a, you mentioned a bit about the business of the business but I'd love to talk about sort of how currently and and also again if you're if things that you're thinking about for the future your seniors are sort of launched into the business you know from things like showcase what's if there's stuff videotaped alumni how do you meet uh, agents and managers all that kind of stuff of going how do we prepare them to assuming many of them come to new york or if they go to la to prepare for what their
2: business will be yeah so um i uh i'm a strong proponent of um opening up the conversation to multiple markets especially for young performers Mm -hmm. um there is something to be said for the fact that you know half of the cast of six uh original cast of six came up in chicago Uh uh-huh you know that uh because in Chicago, they were able to right out of school cover leads, and then all of a sudden they're playing leads at these sort of major um, major houses. Yep. And then they're, they have their equity card, not just from, say, doing a children's theater tour, which is wonderful, and I love it as an option for people. Yep. Um, but they have credits. Yep. And so all of a sudden, they are an actual entity with a resume. Um, I talk... Uh, I set up interviews uh, with uh, agents that I had in New York and agents that I um, uh, have in Chicago uh, to come in and talk to the students. I also um, have, for, for whatever reason, I was the guy who was the reader all the time uh-huh. So in New York. So I actually have personal relationships with casting directors, and uh, they are... And I think generally just because I treat casting directors like humans, not vehicles for me to get work, Mm -hmm. right? Um, I'm always sort of interested in their lives. I think in another life I would have been a casting director. And I, so I have actual relationships. So I have them come in and talk to our students as well. Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. always want the students uh, to be... Also, we have a professional theater on campus and we bring in actors, equity actors, into... Uh, working with our students at Tantrum Theater. And those uh, actors are always an invaluable resource Mm -hmm. from whatever market they're coming from. Uh, Our current, the director of 9 to 5 happening this spring is uh, Shanna Vanderwerker, who was in the original Company of Wicked. She's the dance captain for the first national tour for seven years. And mm-hmm. uh, she's a director choreographer out in the world. And uh, she's coming in to talk about Chicago and New York at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that is how I think we do it, because we aren't close to a city. Yep. You know, we are removed, uh, which I think is, like anywhere, it's a double-edged sword, right? I, and I, how,
1: how far, I mean, I, so I, I should know better yeah. geography, but Athens is how far from like Cleveland slash Pittsburgh. Yeah, slash sure. Columbus, We're we
2: three hours from Cleveland and Pittsburgh, uh, mm-hmm. sort of the same distance. distance. Yep. Uh, we are, uh, about an hour away from Columbus. Yep. We are about two and a half hours away from Cincinnati. Uh, and so we are removed. It yep. is, it, Athens itself is this like incredibly progressive town, mm-hmm. um, nestled in, uh, Really, a rural, beautiful area I mean you yep. you it takes my breath away some mornings as the sun rises above the hills. I've only mm-hmm. ever lived in cities, right mm-hmm. My whole life, I was born in Brooklyn, I only have ever lived in densely populated places, and I am struck so often by just the beauty I'm, our, our place currently uh, my husband and I we uh, our place looks out over the Hawking river it's just it's stunning. And it's a place where my shoulders drop. Mm-hmm. And I find that to be uh, lovely. And I think that happens naturally for the students as well.
1: Well, and then so you mentioned, you know, encouraging um, not everyone goes just to New York. Do you have a sense of like how many of your students end up maybe spend some time in Cincinnati, spend some time in Pittsburgh, maybe go to Chicago? How, yeah. What, where do they sort of go in, in, as, as they um, graduate?
2: Yeah. So um, we currently... Have a huge crop of students that have arrived in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, just and, it, and some of that, I think maybe might be my influence showing up in this uh, in this town as a grad student, just talking to uh, students. but um I think it also makes sense in the aesthetic mm-hmm. that we have here um, in sort of do it yourself, put yeah. it up, get it done. Yep. and that that sort of work ethic is all over Chicago.
1: I mean, we just, we had back-to-back, we had Jesse Mueller and Sean Allen Krill, who were both Chicago-born and bred actors, and then popped
2: over to to New York. Sean Krill is one of my best friends. His husband, Harry Boovey, is, like, one of my best friends in the whole world.
1: Now we're going to get distracted on everything, but I was just up at their house last week. Well, we'll send some
2: love. Were you really—
1: Yes, for sure. Oh, my God. Okay. All right. Um, but where you're talking about locations, let's chat a little bit about where do your students come from in terms of how many are in the kind of Ohio, PA, Midwestish area and how many come from, you know, now as you do more of these international, I know I'm about to see you at Pittsburgh Unifieds where you're going to see students from all over the country.
2: How many come from around the country and around the world? Uh, it feels, this is um, not a scientific answer. Um, it feels about half. Mm-hmm. We have... Um, we have a bunch of students from california yep. we have a bunch of students uh, from uh, the wisconsin area um, we have a lot of students from the south from uh from texas and from yep. uh, the louisiana area and then we have a decent amount of students from ohio as well um, because it is an incredibly cost-effective option yep. for ohio residents to come here and um yeah, uh, some from the Virginia DC area as well. Yep. Yeah.
1: Well let's probably right into that. So let's talk about cost. My so what I my crack research team came up with an in state on campus is twenty six thousand, out of state thirty six thousand. Mm-hmm. Um so in terms of those costs, how does that work in terms of scholarships? Like what percentage of your students are paying if they're in state or paying fully 26, if they're out of state paying 36? How does that work in terms of how they can negotiate that
2: down? We have, um, we have a fairly generous program uh, of getting uh, money to students. One thing I will say to people listening is we have a rolling admissions process, um, but money... Mm -hmm. is less rolling. Uh, It does roll, but it rolls early. So Mm -hmm. um, getting the application in in the October-November time just poises you to grab a little bit more money. Uh Um, We are determined to keep costs down for people. And uh, we're very lucky um, that our... Existence. The musical theater program's existence is uh, a boon to the College of Fine Arts, yep. and that is reciprocated.
1: Yep, that's that's well said. And I think not not uncommon at programs, especially smaller programs. You know, I went to Carnegie Mellon. And it's like we if you're twelve acting twelve musical theater majors in this huge college with of endowment, often they have a little bit of money to swing around if we're going to win some Tony yeah. awards. Just, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about um, the in-state of it all in terms of um, I don't think I've talked to you in Ohio school specifically, or if I have, I've forgotten about how it works with. do you have any manipulation to get in state if you have an aunt who lives there, or if you, you know, after one semester you can become an Ohio resident, or any of that kind of stuff? I,
2: I honestly don't know the answer to that question. That is, that is something I'll. Well, we're all going to Google how we to see Yes, it. I'll, I'll, I'll see about what how you need to declare residency in Ohio. It, would, you know, Ohio's state policies. Are a little wild westy, yeah. so I imagine that there's probably some leeway. That's the the upside of it. It's um,
0: a
1: handful of states that let you do that. A handful of states, you know, where after first semester, yeah, you can say you're a resident here, and some where it's absolutely not. They're pretty strict.
2: Yeah, um, I, that's I, that's something I'll look up because okay, that's great. an
0: interesting thing.
1: We love. Um, Let's just talk about. Oh, I have this note that I was going to ask you um, about. You posted something recently about some opportunity that I forgot what it was about. So now I just wrote, "Ask him about his Facebook post." Um,
2: what oh, was that? Oh, I was wonder.
1: About like come to. I think it was reblogged by the the Pittsburgh Unifieds people, but it was
2: like come to Ohio oh, if you want to. Oh, be a, for the a, MFA, a, the MFA yeah. in acting, the MFA in acting here is, um, my husband is just finishing it now. Um, so I, so I came here to get a playwriting MFA. My husband was still in Chicago. Uh, that felt silly. And so he came here to get an MFA in acting and he, uh, and then that's when we fostered our kid and now he's adopted our kid. And, um, he has really enjoyed his time. Uh Um, and you, it's a it's a solid it's a solid program really built around uh, building a theater actor who is also uh, malleable to go into film and they work a lot with the school of film actually our undergrads work a lot with the school of film as well mm-hmm. a lot of our undergrads leave with a usable reel um, mm-hmm. here for for on camera work and uh, the school of film here is great it's a really it gets a lot of. Um, like sort of top international professionals <laughs> come uh-huh. in to get their MFA here.
1: I love it. And the last question I didn't ask you about the, the school, the undergrad, is just outside of the theater program, and you mentioned film there, but but you know maybe especially academically, like what options do I have at Ohio? I mean, do I have the ability to potentially take minors, even double major? Am I more likely to stick with just the BFA? How does that work if I'm a musical theater major?
2: Yeah, so um, we have some musical theater Majors who have multiple minors, I wouldn't necessarily recommend that. Um, but some of you know, I ask for intellectual curiosity and I get intellectual curiosity. Uh, so I support it as long as they're passing all their classes. Um, I, yeah, so a lot of our MT students choose to minor in dance uh, uh-huh. so that they get sort of access to even more classes, all of that. Um, I'm always talking to students about. Um, I feel like your major should be this thing that you want to pursue and your minor, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. should be maybe something you're a little scared of. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, That's some other interest. You know, for me, my minor, um, when I was in undergrad was, uh, it would now be called gender studies, but it was called women's studies at the Mm -hmm. time, um, because it was so academic and Mm -hmm. I wanted something to push away from, you know, feeling my feelings all day long. Uh, so, uh, That's what I'm often telling uh, my students. Uh, Yes, there's room for it. This is an, uh, what is it called? R1 school, right? Research One University? Yes. So it is, there is a lot happening academically here. And for my more academically minded students, some of them choose to stay for a fifth year and Mm -hmm. do the master's in arts administration. Um, Some of them stay for the fifth year and do a master's in theater education. Mm -hmm. And uh, I do know for the parents listening that that might be a little bit of a sigh (laughs) of relief.
1: Yeah. One more year and you could have a master's. Yes. You have
2: a a, a master's uh, in an area that uh, has a far easier success rate of landing a job.
1: You are very employable. Yes. Yep. Um, Okay. We're going to take a short break and we're going to come back and talk about the audition process for Ohio University. Well, we are back with Stephen Strafford from Ohio University, and we're chatting a little bit about the audition process. This is about to be your first audition process that you're going through. So this is going to be an exercise in theory as we talk about what you are looking for, though I know you mentioned you already looked through some videos and different things. But um, I'd love to just start off with, in general, you mentioned intellectual curiosity. But as it's as it's seen in a room with some singing and some acting and some dancing potentially – what are you looking for that makes you go, yes, I want to invite this student to come to Ohio University?
2: I think first and foremost is bravery. Mm-hmm. I think, um, and that doesn't mean not seeming anxious at all. Uh-huh. I uh, think sometimes I'm really drawn to someone who is working through their anxiety. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you're not scared, you're not brave. It's not, yeah. it's not brave to walk in and do something that's not scary. Exactly, because that just means you're like a sociopath. Okay. So, yeah. you know, like if you don't have fear at all, like yep. that's that's not uh, that's not reality. So, I I am drawn to uh, full choices. I think sometimes uh, we've been put into our boxes through the pandemic, mm-hmm. and we have lost um, some fullness in our. Um, auditioning, and I think mm-hmm. I, I, I'm always drawn to someone who takes up space, mm-hmm. um, and if that means kinesthetic space or vocal space, someone who's really filling the room. Mm-hmm. I am drawn to someone who sets themselves up for the right beat. Um, I don't. I don't love people who play the end of the song or the end of the monologue at the beginning, you know, sort of in a wash of emotion. Um, I am not drawn to performers who act the emotion that they're expecting us to feel. That Mm -hmm. I think is a trap of a lot of musical theater, Mm -hmm. I am drawn to people who are really pivoting within a song, setting themselves up to really punch me in the gut. Right. Mm -hmm. Either with laughter or with like a a gasp. Right. Um, So, that that and that all points to intellectual curiosity right if you're aware about um the turns and uh, not giving in to uh just performing emotionality mm-hmm. those are things that i find exciting i listen and as a person i love someone who can land a joke uh-huh. like if you if you if you know how to do that old musical theater uh-huh. like a comedy song landing that joke
1: um I, I am thrilled. Talk me through. So the stages for you in terms of, um you know, with their video auditions and then, you know, and this, I know this changes now in the world of like, if you do a Pittsburgh Unified uh, again, where maybe that's waiving that or that, you know, or that's happening first, but, but just talking through the stages of you imagining admitting a student, you know, you mentioned the November, October, if you can get the application early, you got a little better chance of more money, but just how it works in terms of, um, what, what you need to see, whether it's from a video or from an early audition, and then what causes you to be able to actually accept the student if there's like a callback phase after that?
2: Yeah, I, you know, uh, so basically I'm watching, uh, if, if, if it's a video sent to me, I'm, uh, watching for the things I was talking about. And if I see them, honestly, if I see most of them, <laughs> those mm-hmm. things, um, I will then, uh, contact the student directly. I, um. Should have better boundaries around my time, but I don't necessarily do. Um, and I will set up a conversation because uh-huh. it is it is in the conversation with the student that I know in my bones if this is my student or not, uh-huh. or could be my student or not. Right. Uh-huh. Um, uh, coming off of the International Thespian Festival, which I watched all these videos, and you know, I reached out to probably about maybe 15 students from that Uh day. And I have talked to all of them individually Uh because I, I just need to know that you're a human being.
1: Is there some additional work that you'll need to see? Or now you go, seeing the talent now, now it's just a a conversation. It's It's a a conversation.
2: It's about where are your interests right now? When did you fall in love with performing? Did you fall in love with performing? Uh Because I'm also really happy to work with people who are like, I don't know, I like it. And Uh it's like, because that's kind of a healthy distance. Uh You know, um, things like that. Uh, I want to hear them show up in a conversation. Mm -hmm. I'm curious about their own agency. Um, I think some students are, um, are coached, which is great. And some students seem only coached.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: And so I am curious about like, why'd you choose that material? Like, what does it mean to you? What are the things you dream about doing? Do you have any, uh, actors that are working now that you see as someone who does the work you would like to be doing one day?
1: Yep. Yep. Stuff like that. so often, you know, we had this conversation about coaching a, a number of times, but so often the like... When people describe coaching, they're really describing bad coaching. If it's mm-hmm. like, if we're like helping shellac a performance and there's nothing underneath it, I'm like, well, that, that's just not a good teacher. That's not a good coach. Like, someone who's working with you is not helping you develop the artistry underneath those choices. Right. So you can have a conversation and so you can play. I'm like, you know, people are like, some of those be like, it's okay, coaching is okay. I was like, I know, because yeah. be good coaching. Like, we wouldn't do that. We wouldn't get, set up a student to go, that's the only way I can do it. And right. I don't know why I'm doing well, it.
2: Well, it's like, I, you know, my my side hustle for years has been an audition coach for professionals. Mm -hmm. And so I believe in coaching if only to dedicate the time and the space to know, like, I'm going to work on this and only this, and I'm going to um, hear notes and decide if those are good notes for me, you know, because that's the biggest thing. I, you know, with my students here, I'm always telling them, tell me this doesn't make sense. Right. I've got a million ways to tell you how to do something. Yes. And um, it, then help me help, me yeah. help you. Yeah. Yes. And learn agency, because when you're in a room, and it's the day to present for the producers, yes. and you haven't pushed back on any notes, because you were scared because you just only do what you're told. Yep. You're in trouble.
1: Right. That's, that's bad from both ends. I means the, the student is not displaying agency and the coach is just like whatever, giving line readings or just saying, yes. this is how I want it to be in crafting sort of a final product. But of course, it's not the, the goal in the college process and not the goal in any process really. I mean, right. you know, those artists are going to yeah. be the ones who are actually out there doing it. Um, let's just have through a little bit of the um, sort of application end of things. And again, uh, acknowledging you've not gone through this entire process in this position, but how do you imagine and understand at least yourself to interact with other aspects of the application? So how will you look at grades and SATs if you care about those or essays, right? Do you read those? Do you read letters of recommendation? Are those stuff dealt with the office of admissions? How does that work for you guys?
2: Yeah, I don't tend to, uh, read a lot of the applications. I'm weighing in from a departmental, uh, place. However, uh, when we get to bubbles, you know mm-hmm. the, the that sort of wonderful place on the bubble. Um, I am interested in reading something like an mm-hmm. essay, uh, less than checking out your GPA. Um, I I think that it is very possible to be very emotionally intelligent and very a very good student of acting and not do well in physics.
0: Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that is.
2: Fine. Do yep. I do I think knowledge of physics actually could help you as an actor? Yes, I do. I actually think being smart is great mm-hmm. um, in all areas. And I don't need you to be the super achiever in all areas. I need to know that you're willing to work. So yep. if I do see a low GPA, it might come up in my follow-up conversation yeah. where I'm like, what's that about? Yep. Like, tell me. Because and you're
1: sniffing for that intellectual curiosity. You're sniffing for yeah. here's what happened. Here's how I'm trying to turn it around. Here's yeah.
2: I, you know, because I, I know from my own story, I was like a uh, real, like a nerdy nerd. And I uh, had a year where like a lot of personal stuff happened mm-hmm. and my grades, one, one quarter, right? We're just mm-hmm. in the toilet. And it's, mm-hmm. it's just, I was able to talk about that in my process. Yep. Uh, because if you can own up to, this was it. This is where I messed up. This is where it was out of my control. Uh-huh. Now I'm dealing with someone who's going to show up and take ownership. Over, you know, people mess up all the time in college. It's like yep. kind of what college is built for. Um, so You're
1: scared when someone shows up to college and they've never had anything bad happen to them yet. Yes. That's my goal as a parent. I was like, I am not going to let as my daughter's I'm not going to let Solvay show up to college and not have had any obstacles in front of her. I'm going to try to make sure that she surmounted some things.
2: Yeah, to learn how to, to problem solve.
1: How to problem solve? Yep, so true. Um, all right, I'm going to ask you a tough question because it's 2023, um, and you're coming at this new. So I- I'm interested in fresh um, ideas and takes on this idea of like, how do you think about filling out the complexion and diversity of your class? Right, I've he- heard a lot of really um, disparate answers. Right, um, and I think it's always tough, and you don't have to tell me every detail of how you're planning on the sausage, you know, being made. But you know, as you think about gender balance and height balance and size and racial diversity and geographical balance, like. How are you thinking about that as you sort of cast your class of artists? And then especially as you think about stuff like weightless movement and maintaining or trying to manage whatever sort of amount of diversity that you've sort of set for yourself, how are you thinking about those questions?
2: I think about them a lot. I I crave (laughs) um, a diversity of actor because having worked in New York and Chicago, I am used to it. Mm-hmm. I am. Uh, I have been fortunate enough to be cast often in shows um, that have a deep bench of um, life experience, cultural experience. And those are the better shows. Mm-hmm. Always. They're always better. Mm-hmm. And as an artist, right, that there is that acting can so often just be the business, right? Just get cast, just do the job, just, you know, say the lines, get to lunch, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, but when you get those moments of rehearsal and being surrounded by people who have a different point of view around what even this script means, Mm -hmm. that's when things come alive. So I am making it a personal focus um, to, try and bring together human beings who will have different perspectives
0: Mm -hmm.
2: now how that looks on a page i think i won't be able to control as much right um but that is at the forefront of my decision making it is at the forefront of my decision making pedagogically and artistically Mm -hmm does that answer your question?
1: It does. It's well said. Well, and, and I think the, the, it was just the second half of that is sort of as you continue, you know, and, and most schools do not get 100% of the students they admit, right? And so that as that continues right. on the wait list, I think that is something that, um, you know, schools have to keep considering of going, do we continually consider that? How do we consider? How do we prioritize that if it's something that's important to us, you know? Um, and I've heard some schools have said, we're just, we're, ignoring gender if we end up with 18 female identifying students that's what we end up with and I've heard students say we have a commitment to 50% of our class will be BIPOC we will make sure that's true you know um and it's just, I think it's, re- it's really interesting. It's especially harder, you know, if a school is not yielding 100% of who they admit. It's because you, you're not going to be able to get a one to one replacement of exactly the identity type because you're also like, I want this artist who's got this personality type. we yes. have got other things that are fa- that factor into, you know, it's its not, you're not going to, you're not casting. Obviously, we talked about this, you're not casting for types or roles in, in a college in the way that you would right. you know, years ago in a show. And right if
2: now. anything, I think we are, uh... I am blessed to be teaching a generation that is pushing against those norms Correct. every step of the way. Yep. So, um, you know, and yes, uh, to, uh, body diver- diversity, yes. to, um, neurological, yeah. And, and, and we have a really strong, uh, queer population among our students. Yep. And, um, I, you know, it, makes me feel comfortable as a person but also i i love it because it is to to have to have a person come from a conservative background and be given room because they are here Mm -hmm. given room in a conversation with someone who is um a bipoc queer artist and putting them in a room together and be like, now we're gonna make something. Mm-hmm. I just like love if if the space is given for it, right? And that's what I I that's something I think I do well. I give space where I say, we are all making the same thing, we all yeah. have this goal, and we need to have the space to always remember that your truth, you know, person one, is m- is different perhaps from person two's truth. And perhaps we get to create a third in the middle if, if we come at this with respect for the work we're doing. Right?
1: Uh, I love it. Um, let's talk a little so, bit about this upcoming year for you in terms of well, like, where you will be doing most of your auditions and or, you know, as you think about, um, how a student gets into Ohio university, you know, I, uh, again, I mentioned we're going to see each other at Pittsburgh unified. Are you thinking about doing New York, Chicago, LA unified? Are you doing on campus auditions? Are we, do- what percentage of virtual auditions? How do virtual auditions factor in if someone wants to do a virtual or just a video audition? How does that work in terms of, um, Ohio and the different ways that can audition for you?
2: Yeah. So, uh, I will be attending Pittsburgh Unifieds, I will personally be attending LA Unifieds, Mm -hmm. Uh, I will have a representative from our program, Uh, uh, the music director of our program will be at New York Unifieds, Mm -hmm. and uh, the interim head of musical theater, the person in between my predecessor and and I, who's currently uh, in charge of the BA program here, Mm -hmm. uh, will be in attendance in Chicago. Mm -hmm. So we've got, Someone at all, those unified auditions. Uh, we have experienced the arts day coming up any day. it's I think it's next Monday, uh, which mm-hmm. is a big day where people come in and audition on campus. Mm-hmm. Then uh, we also have uh, the ability to create uh, group audition days for specific schools and teachers and things like uh-huh. that., uh, uh-huh. we do that uh, for a lot of our Ohio you know residents. Yep. Um, I, this is my prevailing belief around auditioning. If you want, if you're interested by me and by, if you're interested by this program that we have, if, if, if this stuff is interesting and the only thing you can do is put together a video, even if it's the same video you sent off, you don't, it's send me what you got right. and I'll follow up with a conversation and that's, I want it to be as easy as possible. Yep. I, I, I find the, gates and hoops and all of those things um you know sometimes it feels like some schools uh create things so that they are just for them
1: uh-huh. right, right. Like, like green m&ms in the writer of yes the exactly I'm really reading it i know yeah parents get so mad i'm like i know that but that is what they're doing the schools are doing that on purpose they're saying i don't want to be another one of your many
2: schools yeah and yeah. i recognize that you're a human being with a limited amount of time your parents have a limited amount of time you're in your senior year of high school uh-huh. like there's a lot of living to do in that time and I I just can't abide creating more hoops for people to jump through so send me what you got um, you know we have listed that we have two contrasting songs between sixty to 90 seconds. I have taken away the um, one must be from this time Uh you know what tell me what contrasting means to you i'm gonna learn about you that way and then a monologue right and send me what you got if honestly like this is i'll get in trouble i'm sure i'll get in trouble but you know like honestly if you had a song and a monologue and that's all you had send me that i don't care I'll, i'll ask you for another song if i need to hear another song
1: Yep. I, I recently had a, a family saying this about, they were so worried about the common pre-screen requirements and, and they had, a, a, I forget exactly what the specific quibble, but there's all the different quibbles of timing or the framing, or all these things. And they said, well, I asked the people at the common prescreen and they said, it needs to be this. And I was like, the people at the common, there's no people at the common prescreen. Like they're not watching the video. <laughs> they're not passing. I'm like, oh, Stephen, it doesn't matter. Whoever it matters, you know. And yeah. it could be, there are some faculty members, of course, who feel, must be pre 1965, must be whatever. But you know, when you're looking, when you're trying to come up with common requirements, even within the same school, there might be one professor who feels that way and everyone
2: else goes, yeah, or whatever. It's fine, it is what it is. I'm here to see, meet you as an artist. What do you got for me? Yeah, it's, you know, I remember when I was auditioning all the time in uh, uh, early in my transition from being to New York to Chicago as a professional, I remember this one accompanist telling me I had too much William Finn in my book and I remember being like, "No, I don't." Yeah, for you. What yeah. I was like, fine for you. You, yeah. don't, like, you don't like William Finn, all right, yeah, I'm, all right? I'm glad you won't hire me. Yeah, I was like, okay. <laughs> I don't know what to say to that, except that like this, these songs speak to me, and what I want to bring into a room, and and I recognize that maybe because I didn't have on the street where you live in there, I'm not you know showing off a certain thing that some people like. I'm taking that choice, right? Yeah, and. I respect it. I respect time constraints. And I respect
1: it's so hard at seventeen eighteen because we are asking for and interested in, and I think that students do here, we're interested in the kind of agency that steps up and says, This is me as an artist. It may be a little different than exactly what you said, but this is what I would offer, and this is where I'm trying to find the right college. we We're asking for that from them, but also they're transitioning from a stage of high school, which is very obedient and very Yes follow the exact rules. If it's over 91 seconds, it will not be accepted. Right? You know, you're know, coming from that world, even though they're promised by the people behind the table saying, we don't care about that stuff. We care about this. It's, it's hard. It's hard to get out of that. And especially I think for the parents, which is, I'll transition us into our parent question here, but the, for the parents, it's really hard because they don't want them allowing a 92 second monologue to be the reason their child doesn't get into school. Of course. If, the, the, yeah
2: the, yeah i completely understand and yeah. i mean and always do your best to follow the instructions of you course. know I, I mean that obviously if you're sending me like a four minute monologue i'm going to be like oh this person look, has, you didn't read it yeah you don't yeah of course yeah. but you know if if you sent me a video with a four minute monologue that said i know this monologue is four minutes right. and i promise you that it i think it really shows off what i'd be like okay
1: yeah Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) you might still be like, I'm bored, but you're like, all right. I respect your artistic choice. Um, Well, let's talk about some parental advice. So you have a 22 month old yourself. Amazing. As you're, you know, envisioning joining, you know, for this person is going to be a a musical theater major, undoubtedly, you know, as you envision going (laughs) through this process, do you have any advice for the parents who are, you know, maybe of of seniors right now who are really going through this process or of juniors who are sort of starting out and and researching the list? Any advice for the parents as they help their child through
2: this journey? I think it's the same um, advice that I give to most people about most things, <laughs> which is um, uh, remembering that um, you can't control the outcomes. Mm. Uh, remembering that both rejections and acceptances uh, are multifaceted right uh you know that old um there's like an uh god this is terrible like this that allegory that's like a man gets a horse and everyone's like oh you got a free horse like good news and he's like oh well we'll see and then the horse like kicks um his brother in the head and everyone's like oh no the horse is a curse he's like oh let's see and then like they the military comes and uh you know gets uh, conscripts all of the uh, people in town who aren't injured to the war and everyone dies and so the brother lives, right? Like, it's like, Mm -hmm. you just, like, don't know. Mm -hmm. And you can't worry about the life that you're not living. Mm. So you just, you got to hit it with gratitude, right? Like, if they're not getting into a program, that program wasn't for them.
0: Mm.
2: Mm. You know? And, you know, I went to a BA program that did, I did a musical in college. Mm -hmm. I did a lot of plays. I left college thinking I was going to do Chekhov and Strindberg and mm-hmm. Shakespeare. And I, I listen, I occasionally did that. But, you know, I booked Spam a lot and then, like, I was a musical theater performer. Right. Like, that's what everyone saw me as. And uh, I had to work really hard to do plays and, and maybe at the detriment of my musical theater career uh, sometimes. But it meant something to me. So I did it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't worry. Mm, that's not true. Sometimes I did. Um, but at my best, if I had eaten a snack and I had drank water, <laughs> I knew that I was living the life that was mine. Yep. Right. And that starts from parents.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: It so. really does. And so just fostering that sense of like you're gonna land where you're supposed to land. Yep. And you make whatever whatever program you end up in, you make of it what you go to, right? I I think that's, it's got to be the way to think about
1: it. You're even saying maybe it starts from parents doing some of their own self work of like, you don't go down that path of I didn't support my child enough to get into Michigan. right? I didn't support my, like, because I I see that already with our two-year-olds where we're like, which pre-K do we, like, literally we're like, do we need to move so Uh, we can guarantee she's going to go? And and, because you do feel like. Well she would have a different life. Of course she would have a different life uh, if yeah. she went to a different school. I mean, we don't know all the externalities, but we know she'd have a different life. And so you feel like am I not supporting her enough by her going to an average public school instead of a way above average public school? Yeah. You
2: know? And and you can't know that that average public school where she might end up being a star could right. instill the confidence in her to go and, you know, change the face of this and that. You we don't get to be in control when of m- most things, and well, so and to
1: the point of earlier, you're talking about obstacles. Maybe some of the pl- the places that didn't set them up as perfectly are actually going to be the gifts that she goes. Thank you that I had to deal with this kind of bored teacher, which made me realize, yeah. you know what, I need to change the education system because of bu- bu-. like in some ways, the obstacles themselves can potentially be things that that thrust you. If
2: forward. you're someone who views life that way, right? You know, I I'm lucky that I view everything as either a success or a story. You know, because every time something goes sideways, I'm like, oh, I'm holding on to this because it's funny. It's funny in like two days. Um, So, yeah, so I would say, you know, it's tricky because I think the flip side of that is to um, gloss over feelings when they happen. Like, if you have your heart set on going to. Uh, listen, and I get it. Like if you want to go to Michigan because Michigan is set up with Telsey, the whole thing, right? Like it's it's set up. It's a set up situation. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to go there, great. And if you're disappointed that you don't get in there, feel those feelings
0: mm-hmm.
2: and live in those feelings. Just don't get stuck there because feelings are, are, they're like water. They pass through us, right? Um, unless we dam them up. And so I, I feel like, so if your if your child is really upset, not glossing over it, right? Like not being like, "Oh, we got it." No, no time yeah, for that. Yeah. that no, at all. be sad, be yeah. sad. I get it. That that is not what you wanted. Yeah. In a couple of days, let's look at what our situation is. Yeah.
1: These are the cards you're
2: dealt. Yeah. This is what we got now. You yeah. know, radical acceptance, radical transparency. That's like how I run my program. You know, mm-hmm. I'm honest to the nth with these students, always. Mm. Um, Because otherwise, we're snake oil salesmen. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to be that.
1: Yep. So well said. All right, we'll wrap there. Um, Where, if students want to find out more, especially as you keep innovating and changing and doing all these amazing things with the program, where's the best way to follow um, Ohio University and/or the musical theater program, especially?
2: Uh, Ohio University uh, has uh, musical theater has an Instagram page, um, and uh, you can follow us there. Uh, They're always posting there. They have a TikTok page as well. Uh, you can email me at strafford at ohio.edu just to have a conversation. You can literally be like, I heard this podcast and I just want information about this and this. I I just was talking to a parent uh, who called me the other day and we talked for maybe like 25 minutes, just laughing and talking because I like people. So I, you know, that, that
1: practice will not maintain into your third year. I promise. Yes,
2: I know. I know. I know. And like, I just, um, I, but until I hit that breaking point. Yeah. No, you guys, early adopters, be the one to
1: email him. Everyone who's listening to this podcast, email yes. Stafford at Ohio. Yeah. We'll put it in the show notes. Fear not. Yes. Yeah.
2: Um, because I will. I'll I'll get in touch with you and I'll put you in touch with the people who have better answers about things like numbers and all of that stuff. Uh, we have a really great uh, person in the College of Fine Arts. Her name is Jessica Fox. And she is, she's a dancer. Um, she. So she's... An artist as well as someone working mm-hmm. within the world of admissions so she gets it and she's really lovely and 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 there are other faculty members here who can answer questions that i don't know yet and i think this can be a humane process mm. and i want to be a part of that
1: all right well steven thank you for your time i will by the time this podcast airs i will have seen you a couple weeks ago but i will see you in, in a few
2: days uh, i'm looking forward to it excellent me too
1: Yes, 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 I hope you enjoyed Stephen. What a wonderful energy he brought to the podcast. And of course, lovely for me to discover that I had such a close friend in common with him partway through the interview. I hope you enjoyed that smash cut in the middle of a question, because we spent a while talking about Sean and Harry, including a couple of personal details, and we just decided to cut that entirely from the episode for the sake of your time and their privacy. Um, so much good stuff to hit in a takeaway here. I really love the last part of the conversation about your journey, you know, and sort of how you evaluated and, you know, what you can control, what you can't control. I think Stephen said it all very well. I can't say I have a ton of insight to add other than yes, I agree. Um, I did appreciate his metaphor of feelings are like water uh, and saying that you had to let them pass through you. Of course, our longtime listeners will remember Carrie Anderson making that very same metaphor with the phrase feelings are farts. And those two. You must let pass through you, I guess. Um, I also really love the ensemble acting class idea. Uh, Stephen had mentioned that. It's not the first time we've heard that kind of idea pitched on the podcast or certainly that I've, I've encountered. But it's an idea I really like. I think it's so necessary. It's just a, a great addition for a school to think about doing. You know, it's one of those things that are rarely taught in a class form. But actors have to learn it from each other and they do learn it from each other normally in kind of an apprentice style intuition. You're kind of figuring it out from watching other actors and going, is this what I do? Probably, you know, what we're talking about there is like what it is to truly listen and support the story, to recognize the moment that is happening and that you are supporting without necessarily lowering yourself to try to lift someone up. It is a really tricky thing that when done expertly takes a lot of intelligence to know when to give and when to take, when to offer resistance to a moment and when you're supposed to aid a moment. You know, in an ideal rehearsal process with infinite time and money, this kind of intelligence wouldn't be as necessary as the director could just take time to explain every moment and how it affects each ensemble member and what the story we're trying to tell is. But given those processes do not exist really, especially in large musicals, You become such a gift to a director if you can make bold and interesting choices that support the story as opposed to detract from it. You know, some of that is about taste and instinct, but a huge part of that is truly learnable. And I think it's such a great idea to to teach that in school. And the last thing I'll hit on is something Steven said quickly, which I would just wanna underline how much I agree with. He talked about the idea that bravery doesn't mean the absence of fear, but instead it's about encountering it and dealing with it actively. You know, and it is that encounter that is so riveting to watch. And I think, and we're talking about something different here, I think it's what is the essence of the kind of vulnerability we talk about as acting teachers, of what we want to see. You know, vulnerability is often kind of confused with emotion because, of course, a very emotional monologue, you could accurately describe the character as vulnerable. But when we talk about we want to see more vulnerability from an actor, so often we're talking about the bravery to show up as your true self, right? Right. You know, If you're truly fearless, you're really not that brave, right? And if an act of vulnerability costs you nothing, it's not really vulnerable. This is why you can watch some actors weeping on stage and not really be moved by it, whereas another actor can just have that small quaver of their voice, a little twitch in their face, and it feels devastating, right? You can think of some of these things we have to do as performers that feel so vulnerable. And depending on the actor in the situation, it can really change the amount of bravery it takes. I'm going to use an example from my career, which I guess is its kind of vulnerability here. You know, I think about when I was playing Edgar in King Lear. I was shirtless in a loincloth for over an hour in the play. I'm like scrambling around like Gollum in like very compromising positions. There was nothing about me you did not see in that that production. Now, for many actors and for me, for most times in my life, this would have felt really vulnerable. But that summer, I'd spent six months doing two crazy at-home workout programs for those familiar with P90X and Insanity. It was disgusting and I had like a six pack for the first time in my life. I was so proud to show it off. And what would have at most times in my life been particularly vulnerable was actually kind of a point of pride, right? Cut to me in a different season of my life. I'm playing brick in Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, you know that wonderful play. Now, looking back at myself, I think I was actually still in pretty great shape. Certainly compared to now, I would uh, snap my fingers and switch bodies to myself if I could. But at the time, I was so keenly aware of how different my body was from what it looked like at my best. And even in that show, just wearing a robe with an open shirt felt so incredibly vulnerable for me. For me, in that show, it was a true process of trying to use Charlie's feelings of vulnerability, you know, Charlie's vanity and, you know, of sort of being an athlete gone to seed and seeing how it could connect with Brick's vulnerability in that same way of being an actor who's gone to seed. You know, Brick might not have had Charlie's vanity. I didn't, didn't really want to bring that into the character, You know, at least as I was playing him. But I certainly was able to process that discomfort in a healthy way for the character and for anyone who knows the play. Brick's got plenty of vices and different ways that things can twist and turn uh, in that play. And so that was really helpful for me. You know, I often tell my students, the goal is to be able to stand there naked in an audition room, warts and all. And just to be incredibly clear on any potential mixed metaphors, I'm talking about being metaphorically naked, not literally naked. But it is those flaws, it's those warts that make the metaphorical nakedness compelling and interesting. Can you be present with your perceived artistic flaws and not apologize for them? Can you show up and say, this is me, without apology, and without covering up the things that make you you? You don't have to pretend to be something you're not, and even more so, I would implore you not to sugarcoat the things that you are, especially if they happen to not be particularly pretty things. And I think it is an important caveat for any listeners who may wanna take this advice. It's certainly not unique advice given here. Students often come in thinking they wanna be vulnerable or take artistic risks. They know that can be a nice goal to have. I do think it's important to not confuse vulnerability with trauma. If I had felt a traumatic level of humiliation over having a bit of my belly fat exposed as brick, then that would not really be a great part for me at that moment. Now, I I would be at that moment dealing with a therapeutic issue, which brick really wasn't dealing with a therapeutic issue, and I would be i think it would be an unhelpful challenge for me to play that in front of an audience and have paying spectators deal with this thing that i'm sort of traumatically in the in the throes of and the same would be true for any of those warts i mentioned earlier that students don't feel comfortable encountering if there's something you cannot safely bring into the room then please don't that kind of trauma though vulnerable admittedly can give an auditor a really tough job in terms of how to proceed safely But if there's something true about you that you can struggle safely with, that you can bravely encounter and proudly step into the arena with, it can be incredibly compelling to watch and really help you stand out from a crowd full of safer choices. Well, that's it. Another episode of Mapping the College Edition, an MTCA podcast, produced by Megan Cordier for the good parts and Charlie Murphy for the audio issues. Follow us on the socials, rate and review us if you're feeling saucy. Check us out at at MTCA.NYC if you want to see what MTCA is all about. To my young artists out there mapping their journeys, I want you to know my daughter got up three times while I was trying to record this to have me sing more lullabies for her. To me, that is basically three callbacks with additional material. We'll see you next week.